Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And I, I want to I wanna linger there, Father. You are good. If we're in this room breathing, uh, man, that's just another proof of your goodness. And I pray, Lord, uh, for everyone in this room, the broken, the hurting, God, the hard-hearted, the arrogant, um, you love them all, and you have a purpose for them, God, and, and it's for them to know, uh, man, how much they matter, not because of the things they think matter or what this world says, but because they're made in your image. And I pray, Lord, that, um, man, you would just do what you do and, and bring to life uh, the dead, God, um, spiritually, and those hurting, that you'd heal the brokenhearted, um, that you would forgive sinners, that they would come to you, Lord, and know real life. I pray that you would help me um, <laughs> to preach your word, and um, only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. How are you guys doing today? Good. Well, welcome. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. We're running late, so I don't have time to, you know, try to schmooze you, which I'm not very good at anyway, so we're going to dive right in. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Culture Wars. Typically, a little trick for you, we have a little, uh, you know, that's in the corner, and it has a subtitle. I'm a big fan of subtitles, you know, you got your title of the book, and then a little sentence, sentence. You're not interested. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but today, it's just Culture Wars, and Andy brought up something, and it wasn't again, you know, I, I told you this last week. My plans and what I think God wants us to do sometimes, uh, you know, what God wants wins. So with everything going on, um, kind of shifted gears a little bit. <clears throat> and what do I mean by that? Before I get into that, I want to read to you a section. There's a lot of Bible today. So the tendency is going to be for you to zone out. I understand. We've been trained in school. You get bored. So I'll try to do different voices. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> um, but I do want you to try to pay attention and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to the two groups here. So grumpy person, you know who you are immediately. Grumpy person. My eyes only go to two people, happy people or grumpy people. If I'm looking at you, you're one of the two. Why not choose to be the happy one, right? Because if you're grumpy, um, you're going to get more grumpy when you think I'm looking at you, and I am, right? <clears throat> so you're already here. Um, I've always thought this was odd. If you're grumpy, unless you don't want to be grumpy, right? A lot of, I'm using the word, if you don't want to be grumpy, it makes sense that you'd stay. But if you are grumpy, you don't want to be here, the crazy part is nobody's making you. You know what I mean? So you can get up and walk out. I won't know if you're going to the bathroom or leaving. Most of the time, I assume everyone's leaving anyway. So it's fine. Um, but if you're here and you want to stay, be open to what God's doing. Turn your, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 24, and we're going to start at verse 3. When you got it, say I got it. Nice. That was fast. <laughs> she has the real Bible, too. Okay. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> Give me a thumbs up if you're going to do it. Perfect. While he, who's he? There you go. It's a good guess every time. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, tell us when these things will happen. He was warning that the temple would be destroyed, among other things. And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus replied to them, watch out. That no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. 
All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Then they will hand you, this is important, then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will multiply. Because lawlessness will multiply, listen to this, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom, boy, that wasn't, what, what's the good news there? There's a lot of rough news, but this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and the end will come. Well, the good news is, is that he who endures to the end will be saved. Does that mean you earn your salvation? It knows the proof of whose you are is going to be shown by those who, at the end. The truth is, everyone in here might at least be not hateful towards Jesus, I would assume, even if you're not a Christian, but the fact is, what it's telling us is that there's going to be a lot of people that say they are, but by the end, it will be re- the, the, the truth of their life is going to be revealed. And one of the big clues is not sin amongst Christians, right, even though that's going to happen, lawlessness, but it's going to be the fact that their love is going to grow cold. The love here is agape, again, that God-like love, right, the kind of love that doesn't request it, um, demand it back. We'll come back to that. Now, listen, there's a lot here. What's important for you to understand that, remember, they asked Jesus two questions. They said, when is it going to come, the destruction of the temple, and when are the times, the end of the age? So Jesus is answering both. So there's something applicable to them. They all died. All but one were martyred, the, the apostles. Okay? So he was foretelling that. Christians, so there's kind of this mixture of like, are you saying we're all going to die? Yeah, Christians are killed nowadays. Did you know that? So, so he's telling them what's going to come kind of in the future short term, but he's also talking about the end of the age and wars and famines. And the reason I tell you this is simple. This has been happening since Jesus was left, this desire to know, are we close? We'll come back to that. Andy brought this up. He had no clue what today's topic was going to be, and I told him this when he came back. I gave him a fist bump and said, this is weird, when he brought up kind of like it's been a weird week. And it feels like things, if I'm honest, and you're honest, have been on edge since 2020. Honestly, honestly, honest, yeah. A lot of honesty here. It seems like, well, there's one thing after another. Shut the world down, right? Economies, and now you got Ukraine and Russia, and now you've got what's going on in Israel. And it's become natural to wonder, and I bet those of you in the room, particularly believers, and even those that aren't, you're probably going, this is weird. But you're starting to ask the question, are these the end times? Are we here? Many of you in this room have actually talked to me about or are sharing things on social media about the end times and the signs, and there's nothing wrong with that. So let me stop. That's not what this is about. There's nothing wrong with that, depending on your goal in doing that. We'll come back to it. I guess I'll say it now. Is your goal to get people to think, people that don't know Jesus, or is your goal to spread fear? Sometimes when we're afraid, misery loves company. We want other people to be afraid, so we're not the only ones afraid come back to that. It is scary. What's going on is scary. You know, and then in the midst of the things that are happening, there's like rumors, right? Are there, are there terrorists roaming around the country? You know, I've heard things from people that I haven't read or seen, but like, oh, they're waiting for a code word, and then everything's going to go crazy, right? All this stuff could happen, could not. With everything that's happened in the last year, Ukraine, Russia, now Israel, people are naturally nervous, they're worried, they're anxious, and they're afraid. And the thing about culture 
is there's sort of like a, a current with culture, right? What do I mean by that? Well, when you have, even if you're in the room and you're like, well, I haven't heard a lot of this stuff. Some of you haven't. But I bet you've naturally felt more anxious and worried and kind of on edge. You know why that is? Because, lack of a better word here, when the herd starts to feel that way, the people around you, regardless of what's causing it, you feel it. Everything feels on edge. Now, not everyone admits in this room that they're afraid, particularly guys. You ain't afraid, right? You're tough. You ain't scared. Let me give you a different word for you that might help. Angry, right? That's what you tend to show. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. One honest guy. You go, that's me, right? Yeah, I get it. Me too, buddy. Bubbling under the surface, though, it's still there. Questions, anxiety, worry, fear. What if there is war? What if it's World War III? What if there are terrorists here? What if things get worse? What if these are the end times? What if? I am not immune to it. For me, because I just mentioned, Josh kind of got ahead of me, good. I can get like kind of angry. I'll use a word. I should have said like resolute. That's a safer Christian word. I'm resolute, big word. Angry, right? And I start to go, okay, am I prepared? Right? I want to take care of my family. Am I ready to... I don't know if you're, you know, you got fighters in the room kind of by nature. I don't mean physically, maybe you're a fighter, but I just mean you're that kind of person. You start going, am I, am I, am I ready to protect my family if something happens? That's me. Lord forbid something happens. Am I in a position to take care of them, provide for them? It's natural to wonder, guys. It's natural to be nervous. It's natural to even be stressed. The whole world feels on edge, right? Some of you are like, no, I don't pay attention to that. I just watch cartoons. That's okay. I get it. But it's still happening. Jordan laughed. I wonder why. But I wonder, listen to me, the whole world feels on edge, but I wonder, should we look the same as the world in our fear and anxiety? Good answer. You would get a checkbox at school. You know the answer. But knowing the answer and living the answer are different. Shouldn't we as the church, capital C, see things differently? And little c, remnant. Shouldn't we have a different expectation? Shouldn't we have a different view of the events that happen and are happening in the world? Let me ask you this. Do you think the early church was looking for signs of the end times because they were worried about all the bad things that are going to happen? See, some of you are torn. I agree. I often, no, I think they were expectantly looking for it because they knew that these labor pains would lead to the return of the Messiah, right? To Christ coming back like he promised. The answer is, yes, we should look different in scary times. You should look as different in these scary times as you do in the easy times. You should look as different uh, from the world in war as you do in peace, In plenty as you do in famine, in wealth as you do in poverty, you should look the same, meaning different, right? The circumstances can be different. We should look, you should be able to look at a world in famine and say that group of people is different than the rest. And everybody's going, yeah, but but do you? Because on the surface, if we were studying all people in a famine, everyone's hungry, right? You can't deny you're hungry if you don't have any food. So what looks different? We should be different in scary times as, as, as different from the world in scary times as we are in prosperous and safe times. In fact, I think the quality of our faith, and Jesus said it here, 
in Matthew, and our testimony, the quality of our faith and testimony is empowered by how we are in difficult times, probably more so than we are in easy. I'm talking to you guys like big kids today, right? Not my normal slang. It'll come out still. I'll say that again. The quality of your faith and, and what Jesus was saying, people are always like, some people are like, see, it proves that you gotta, you got to keep your salvation and, you know, you could lose it because he said those who endure, so there'll be those that don't. So that means some people that are saved are going to lose it. No, it means they never were. I can say I believe in a parachute and I'm safe to jump out of a plane all I want until the moment when the hatch opens, the wind's blowing, and i got to decide whether I trust, right? I, don't, I could sit here right now with a parachute and go, hello, I'm an expert skydiver. I've read all the books. I feel completely confident in my ability to jump out of this plane, and this thing has been checked five times. And I'm going to tell you, this is true. Todd would then get up there and not jump out of the plane. Why? Because it's only when something might be tested do we find out how much trust and faith we actually have in that something. Now, when I, when I, when I get the opportunity to preach, when I get the opportunity to talk to you guys, there's a lot of different people in the crowd. I kind of talk about that when I pray, right? There's people that don't believe. There's some people in here that don't believe. There's people in here that have made, let's say, me think they believe, but they don't. They, like, they love the church. They love the people, but they don't really believe in this Christianity thing. They're just here because they like being loved. There ain't no, you're here. There is something wrong with that, but not between me and you. There's the, then there's the Christians who are probably on a, a mountain, as she said. Things are going okay right now. Faith is strong. There's people in a the valley. They're going through struggles. And then there's a group of people that scare me more than that, and that is the people that never think they're being preached to. And I said this last week, every single person, you are the person who when you think about a sermon, you're always thinking about everything you do right and never about what you could change. Why is that scary? It's not that you should hate yourself. See, that's the product of this culture. You've been told that if you, know, you want to better yourself, that means you hate yourself. It's not true. But the truth is, God's word's for all of us. And because we know that nobody's perfect on this side of heaven, that means whether it's this tiny little step, or whether it's a huge jump, I was going to jump, but then if I sprained my ankle, it would be embarrassing, right? At the end of the day, we have, we have movement that is needed in our lives. <clears throat> so what's my point in all this? My point is this talking about end times, all this. It's good to watch for the signs at the end of the age. That's okay. The church has been doing it for a long time. Jesus told us to, right? Look out. But the truth is, regardless of whether this is the end or just the scary continuation of a world filled with war and evil and sin, the truth is our response should be the same. So regardless of whether, listen to me, because I already know I'm losing you. Taco Bell, I don't know, I'll say something to shock you, right? What's going to happen is, whether this is the end and Jesus is coming tomorrow, that'd be awesome, right? Woo, that would be, yes. Or he's not. The response and our expectation, his expectation of us is the same. It's the same. And sometimes I think in the church, the reason that we're kind of paying attention more, it's almost like, well, I better straighten up because it's almost here. So I'm going to go put my nice suit on. Right? I'm going to go wash this dirt off. I better stop playing in the pig pen now because he's coming tomorrow. And I need to know whether I could spend a little bit more time in the mud or whether I should go get dressed. And Jesus gives parables about this. 
Why? Because he says if that's the way that you're looking at life, there might be a problem of whether or not you really know me. The early church, and this is something that's very important, the early church lived in the expectation that the end could come any time. And in fact, they believed it was coming sooner rather than later. When you read the New Testament, it's very obvious. Paul did too. Paul thought, and doesn't mean that it's a lie. Paul wasn't God. In fact, Jesus said, only the Father knows, right? So Paul was like, hey, coming tomorrow probably. We need to live now as though that's happening. As he gets older... Right? You can kind of see in the later books where he's beginning to go, but even if he doesn't, this is the way it should be. They believed it was coming sooner rather than later, so let that sink in. This is important. Everything in the New Testament, every direction, the call to submit to your husband. (gasps) I always I just linger there because we live in the 21st century. I just see the fumes, right? The call to love your wife to the point of being willing to die, right? call to respect your parents, the call to forgive, the call to offer grace, the call to live holy, all of these things, the call to take care of the poor. Pure and undefiled religion is this, to take care of the widows and orphans, right? And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Be holy. All of that, everything in the New Testament, if they were living in the expectation that Jesus was coming any time, All of that was focused on in the midst of the expectation that was going to end soon. So they were living as though it was going to happen tomorrow, but yet Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was still telling them, hey, it's still important for you to submit to your husband. But Lord, the world's going to end tomorrow. Love your wife. The world's going to end tomorrow. Forgive those who have wronged you. See, we can forget that. And the preparation, it's as though the little things aren't important anymore, but those are the things. They're not the little things. Those are the things. Am I losing you or are you with me? Denise, what do you think? You with me? Yeah. (laughs) They are the things. We don't see verses saying get ready and prep. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. I don't have a problem with you got some good, you know, that's a whole different message. But you know why he didn't have to tell you to do that? Because natural human nature, even the flesh, wants to live, wants to prepare, wants to eat, wants to uh, be safe, wants to take care of their family. He doesn't have to tell you to do things like breathe because you do it. But what he's telling you and what he's saying is there are verses saying, how are you going to? I always think, man, one of the craziest things I think about and shows the sinful brokenness of our society is during 2020 when there wasn't enough formula on the shelves that people went and took over and over and said, I'm going to make sure mine is good at the expense of somebody else. Not just the world. Christians did it too. We don't see see verses saying get ready and prep. There's nothing wrong with this. But instead, the focus was what? On continuing to be light and salt. Because in the darkest moment, light matters the most. This becomes even more interesting when we understand and realize that the early church faced the type of persecution none of you in this room have ever faced. They were hated and persecuted by multiple sides. They were viewed as strange, weird, 
and they hunt and were hunted and killed for their faith. They weren't just like, oh, if I stumble on a Christian, I'll kill him. Paul told us himself, he hunted them. They went into houses and drugged them out. What you're seeing in Israel, right? What happened to them, what we're seeing reported was done to Christians back then. Drugged from the home, beheaded, all of the things you hate, they lived in that. Is loving your wife important when your head might not be, or might not be attached to your shoulders the next day? Jesus said it is. Loving your wife. Preaching the gospel. The early Christians didn't worry about scary times. They lived in scary times. It wasn't just a what if. It was a when. It wasn't a what if. It was a when. So today I want to talk about, I probably tricked you, not about whether or not we're in the end times. I have to wait for that. I want to talk about living in the now. And I want to talk about the if. How we should look the same in the if and what we can do with the anxieties and fears that seem to creep on us from every angle. It's not a sin, by the way, to feel fear, to feel anxiety, and to feel worry. That's not a sin. It is a sin to live there. Ooh, that might get some of you. How do I know that? Well, a sin is disobeying God. Jesus said, don't worry. Well, Todd, I feel worry. I know. But he said, don't action worry, right? Don't live in worry. Man, this is one of the times. I am thinking of some of you. This is the first time. I'm thinking of some of you. I wasn't thinking of you, but you're on the list. Okay, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> Hammer's like, me, I'm a warrior. Yeah. Me too. Different things. It's not a fear. So this isn't like some of you, man, bless your heart. You have beautiful hearts. And you start wanting to be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm horrible. Because you're kind of like on the other side where you're not always justifying. You're instead going, I am garbage, right? I feel, I feel guilty or I feel worried. So it's not, that's not what we're talking about. Fears and anxieties are going to come. It's what we do when they come knocking at the door of our heart. What do we do with it? Now, here's your temptation. You heard buzzwords in Christianity, fear, worry, anxiety. I had you when I was talking about the end times. You're all about hearing about the abomination of desolation and the harlot and the seven dragons and all this stuff that you think, right? You're all about that. But when I start talking about fear, worry, and anxiety, like I've heard this all before. Yeah, but you still live in it. And it's a little different. Today's message isn't about the end times as much as it's about the now times. Whatever those are, because the truth is, whether we are or aren't, we should live in the expectation of Christ's return. You think that you can play in the mud right until he comes home. There's a parable called the parable. There's many. Ten virgins, right? But one. <clears throat> if that's where your heart is, you know, you're either a believer who's wandered off or you don't know him, right? The truth is, whether we are or not, we should live in the expectation of Christ's return, and that shouldn't be lived in fear or anxiety or worry because, listen to this, in the, fear, in the soil of fear and anxiety and worry, it's very easy for our love to grow cold. I can't tell how many times I hear people justify their sin towards each other by saying, I was anxious. I bet you've heard it. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I was really anxious. 
as though that here's your, here's your get out of hurting someone free card. You were anxious today. What, do you, can you imagine? We'd just be handing that card back and forth, right? I mean, I was anxious too when I punched you in the face, right? <clears throat> the agape he's talking about there, for one, in Matthew particularly, and we, t- and we see it when you look in the rest of Scripture, the context, he's talking about a love for him will grow cold. How do you show agape towards God? It's in trusting and obeying him. When lawlessness happens, when the world goes nuts, when people start making it okay without threat of going to jail to do wrong, when the culture says it's okay to, to steal, take all the formula because you're taking care of your family and you begin to try to justify that, right? When all, when all those types of things like that happen, it's very easy for you to begin to justify your own behavior. It's very easy for us to begin to say it's okay because nobody's busting down my door to take me to jail, so it must be okay. God didn't take my job away, so it must be okay. We have this weird, excuse me, kind of punishment reward system thing even in our faith, right? As though somehow that's indicative of of whether we're doing the right thing. We have a lot of Bible today, and we were late, so it's, you know, I'm going to bust a move here, right? Bust a move. See, Andy? I'm attaching it all together here. Uh, so we're going to dive into, you can turn to John chapter 4, 14. I'm sorry, I'm a liar. John chapter 14. But before that, I want to talk about John chapter, if you've been at this church a while, John chapters 14 and 15 in particular, some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And the reason is, really 14 through 16, the reason is, you know, during the Last Supper, essentially, you get this sense that Jesus, when he keeps telling them, hey, I'm about to be killed, he tells them somebody, there's this sense of like, he's talking with the people he loves most and telling them the most important things before he goes. And every time I read that, I can almost sense that you can feel when you read it, it's like he's saying, hey, I don't have a lot of time. Here are the things. I know I've taught you a lot. You'll go back and read that. But before I leave, I want you to remember this. And he tells them, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to die, right? And then we get Peter who says, oh, you're not going to die, Lord. You know, I'll die for you. And he goes, no, you won't. Before the chicken crows three times, right? rooster. <laughs> rooster crows three times. You're going to deny me. He said, I'm leaving, and then we'll pick up there. And then Peter says, I don't, I'm not going to read this part. Peter says this question. He says, Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? And I feel like that question... <clears throat> It's a question our fear can pull us all into. Where is Jesus right now? Where is he in the midst of all this craziness? Lord, where are you? Starting in verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Would I have lied to you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. I'm going to die. Peter says, where are you going? He doesn't quite get it. This temple's going to be destroyed. Where are you going? And then he says, don't be troubled. He already knew you're worried. Don't worry. I'm coming back. You know the way to where I'm going, but Peter just said, where are you going? You with me? I told you. Today's one of those days. We're going to talk like big girls and boys. 
All right? Lord, Thomas said, old doubting Thomas, huh? we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So, he's, so you know the way I'm going. Where's the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. What a weird thing. How do I get to you through me? Well, that's confusing. All right. Lord said, Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, boy, hey, this is important for some of you. <laughs> Got you, Bailey. You weren't paying attention. Got you. As soon as I whistled, he's like, <laughs> don't sneer at me, Bailey. Don't sneer at me today. All right. Jesus said, have I been among you all this time, and you don't, do not know me, Philip? Hmm. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? By the way, anytime you hear someone say, Jesus never said he was God. Right here. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Even if you don't believe because I'm telling you, believe because of the proof I have given you. You have the same proof. I didn't see it. You didn't see the moon either. You just see it in the sky, right? But you don't believe it's made of cheese because somebody told you that. <clears throat> Drop down to 15. He says, remember, this is all after don't let your hearts be troubled. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. This is interesting. The world is unable to receive him. So right there, if there's a difference between, what is one difference between the world, right, and the followers of Jesus Christ, true disciples? There's a big one. You have spirit, the spirit, they don't. I'm going home. Right? The Holy Spirit, they don't. That implies it's going to look different. By the way, here it says, counselor, your version. Let me give you some other words that that's been translated to, the Holy Spirit here. Counselor, advocate. I will stand and speak up for you, and this one is very important given these times. Comforter. In the times of worry, don't let your hearts be troubled. What do you mean? I'm going to send you. I'm coming back, but in the meantime, I'm going to send you a comforter. 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. Okay, well, that's weird. I thought I don't have to earn it. Don't overthink this. You're going to show you're his by your love for him. If you love him, you're going to believe him. If you believe him, you're going to listen to him, right? Yes? Do I need to throw a rock? You with me? Okay, thanks. <clears throat> the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him and reveal myself to him. Judas, not a scary. He had to make sure you knew said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, 
What an interesting, this is gonna, I want you to view that, this is an answer to that question. It's interesting. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Which part? Do you have to keep the part you don't like? You all about to make me chuck podiums. We got to get that going, Fred. I can't, it's going to shock them. We got a plan for you guys. Fred has good, we got a, it's in the works. We got a big plan for you. I think I can get it to Dave. <laughs> all right. <laughs> big chuck, man, I can do it. All right, anyway, if any, uh, I'm not going to throw it at you. You're just in the way. Um, <laughs> Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself not to the world? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. That's simple. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. See, a lot of times, this is unrelated, but you, we, let me tell you how you translate that. Because your mind's going, well, how do I justify the fact that Christians aren't perfect and they fail versus whether I'm one that keeps his word? It's how you, you keep his word. Do you feel conviction when you fail, even the stuff you don't like, there's a conviction in your heart and a desire to be different, or do you justify? Here's a huge clue, simplified. If you know me well, you're probably tired of hearing this word. Here's a clue with where you are in Jesus. What do you do when faced with your sin? Do you confess or do you justify? Go and read the New Testament and see the response of the Pharisees to Jesus. The response to almost anyone who doesn't end up following him when confronted with the fact that they're sinners. There was justification and then walking away. Some of you are, have justified for a long time. You just haven't come to the point where you actually have to walk away. <clears throat> but if he came down and said, either you will love your wife or you can't follow me, we'd find out real fast. You will respect your husband or you can't follow me. Like literally, he's in your way. You will be loving to people even when you don't feel like it. We find out real fast. But I'm hurt, Lord. I see, but. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. It's God's. It's not just mine as a person, right? That's what he's telling him. It's, it's God. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. No conviction, not a good sign. Only two options, three options. You're not saved, right? You've quenched the Holy Spirit, which means you've turned the volume of your life up so loud you can't hear it anymore, right? That's really the only two options I lied to you. <laughs> Because even in the second one, oh, you know, it's scary, that line, right? Can you not hear it because the noise of your life's turned up? Are you not convicted because of that? Or is it because you never had it? The only way you'll answer is in the quiet of obedience. Because you'll find out. Turn down the noise of your life, listen to Jesus, right? Do the things of God and find out. The one who doesn't love me, and I'm accused, the word that hears not mine, but from the Lord, send me. I've spoken these things, I've got to catch back up. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. Listen, listen, please. Dragons, abomination of desolation. I'm just saying if you're paying attention, listen. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let 
your heart be troubled or fearful. If he has to say, don't let it be troubled or fearful, what does that mean you have the option to do? You could possibly what? Let it be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. The one who believes, follows, obeys. Jump down to John 15. This is all after. You've got to remember, these aren't different chapters. This is in the same conversation. The conversation started with him saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Drop down to verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things. Here it is again. He said, I told you these things before so that you wouldn't be afraid, right? You wouldn't be troubled. Now he says, I told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. But these are really hard times coming. He already told us that. This is my command. This is so important. This is important, Jacob. All right. This is me. He's like, yeah, I know, man. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Man, there is so much there. Everybody usually hears that and says, okay, it's talking about Jesus. That's true. Laying down your life for your friends. He's a good model. It's also saying real love is are you willing to give up your desires, right, for others, right, your life. That's true. <clears throat> but then, Emma, I'm just going to leave. You guys just aren't, you aren't getting this. Bree, this is you, all right? Listen, right? This is so good. Listen to this. No greater love, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Are you my friends? You'll do what I command you. What's my command? To love and lay your down your life for others. Am I your friend? Will you lay your life down for me? Jesus says, I laid my life down for you. Will you lay your life down for me? What does that mean? The things that you want that are contrary to what he wants. He wants. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. Remember what he said. Verse 10 says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. 17, as the bookend says, this is what I command you. Love one another. Every Christian. I, there's probably not a Christian in the world that will not say, I love people. I love others. 
And then we have to go to what the scripture says. You know, Jesus says, he goes, you, I tell you to love your enemies. So some of you love your enemies better than you love your spouse. Some of you love your enemies better than you love the people in your church. Some of you love your enemies better than you love your pastor. Because you'll forgive the guy down the street, right? Because you have to and you don't have to see him every day, right? It's a whole different matter to love someone that you have to see over and over and over again. The reason I say this is because you need to understand you're not good at it like you think you are. Because if the example is him, right, he is the example, I'll use myself. The fact that he loves me, guys, when I have betrayed him, not just before, after, because every time I choose to sin and go my way, I'm betraying him, crucifying him again. And he loves me. This is what I command, love one another. Going back to Matthew, you with me, Jill? Does this seem all over the place? You think there's a flow here? Yeah? Okay. She's half asleep too. Abomination. I'm just kidding. You're seeing, right? Those words will get you listening. Antichrist, right? You guys want to hear that stuff because you think it's like, you know, uh, what is that book called? Left Behind, yeah. You guys just want to watch the movie. I don't know if you do. Um, right after the section I started this with in Matthew, where he says all this stuff's going to happen, he goes on a little longer and talks about, you know, the end times. You know what happens right after? You probably think right after he says that, he says, go home, get on thy knees, prayeth, and do nothing. No, he actually gives parable of the ten virgins, okay, parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and the goats. Will you be ready all the time? Will your life show it all the time? Just, or just when you think it's coming? Because you're not going to know when it's coming. Thief in the night. You won't have time to go get it cleaned up. Right? Two, <clears throat> parable of the talents. What are you doing with what you've been given? Are you investing in the kingdom? But God, you said the end's coming. Shouldn't we hole up in our churches? No. What are you doing with what I've given you? Because you're so focused on being afraid of when I come back that you're doing nothing with what I've given you now. Not what you feel comfortable doing. What you've been told to do. And the, the sheep and the goats. He said, I will separate them, the sheep and the goats. They look the same from far away, but only I, right? The sheep will, are mine, the goats aren't. And he will look to the one and say, get away from me, I never knew you, right? Because when I was naked, you didn't give me clothes. When I was hungry, you didn't give me anything to eat. And when I was in jail, you didn't come and visit me. He goes, when did I do that to you, God? And he said, what you did for the least of these, you've, did also, you've done also to me. And then he says to the others, come and into the kingdom I have prepared for you. For you fed me when I was hungry and you clothed me when I was naked and you visited me when I was in jail. When did I do that for you, right? Jail, by the way, why is that brought up? Is it literally jail? I think that's a good place to start, but it's anyone whom it's not beneficial to you socially to love. Who is it not beneficial for you to love? Because how do we know that? He says right after, because what you did for the least of these you were doing to me. So Jesus, why did I read you all that? Jesus sitting here telling him he's getting ready to leave. Now, John 14, 15 is not exactly about the end times, but remember, to the disciples he was speaking to, by the way, after this, it's really cool, he prays for us. You should go read it. He prayed for you. He prayed for you, Fred. You know that? Pretty cool, man. I love that. He prayed for me. He prayed for you. Anyway, even though it wasn't talking about exactly the end times, to these disciples, to the apostles who were sitting there with him, I want you to consider how horribly scary it was. See, we live in the same, well, we've never been with the Lord, right, physically. 
You've been with them in a deeper way than they even were right at the time because the spirit hadn't come yet. But they're sitting there, and this man whom they'd given up everything for, they walked away from their lives, they'd been cast out of the synagogues, they were, they, they were hated in some towns, loved in others. They gave up everything for him, and now he's telling them, remember, the Messiah was supposed to come and overthrow the Roman government. It was supposed to restore the, uh, the Jewish people, right, the Israelites. That's what he was supposed to do through military power. They'd seen him do it. He has the power, and now he's saying, I'm going to die. And I'm leaving you. What do you mean you're leaving me? We gave up everything for you. To them, it was the end times. And, even, and what does he say? He said, to you, in the midst of the times you were most scared, in the times when it is hardest to see what I'm doing, remember these important things. What are they? Follow me. Stay with me. Walk with me. Remain in me. And most importantly, love me and love each other. Because you, you ready guys? You're not going to be able to determine whether or not Israel goes to war. Not a single thing you can do right now is going to change what happens in Israel. Well, Todd, I can pray. I got you, little Christian people. Of course you can pray, but your power, you're not, let me tell you, sometimes some of you think you got prayer wrong. You think you're the juice, right? Or you think God's the juice and you get to be the one to turn it on and off like a light switch. My prayer is like a light switch. When I wanted to move, he moves. That's not how it is. Prayer is really about saying, here's what I'd like, Lord, but I give it to you and trust that whatever happens is good. We can't control that. We can't control if this economy crashes. We can't control if another virus comes up. And by the way, I'm saying this to you as a guy who likes to control things. Okay? At the end of the day, we can't do anything. Now, that doesn't mean don't be aware, don't be prepared, all of those things. But what I am trying to tell you is don't focus your time on things you can't control. What Jesus said, focus on what you can. Weird. You can only control you. Will you love? Will you obey? Will you still go to church? How many people will be here tomorrow if society fell apart? Or next Sunday, I guess, right? Actually, tomorrow will be a good example, too. Who will be here next Sunday when the whole world falls apart? Probably not 150 people. You know how I know that? Because I saw what happened when a virus came. Now, I ain't trying to be political here, but there was a point, right, when it wasn't about a virus anymore. My point is, in the midst of the end times, the scary times of your life, the call's the same. And you should take stock and ex- you should be living that all the time. People always say, if you've been here a long time, I, the reason I bring it up is because I people are mad at me all the time for the fact that I'm mad. You seem angry, you hate Christians, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't. I get irritated with us. Not with our mess-ups, because Lord, I'd be a hypocrite. I'm a big mess-up. I get mad with what we justify. I get mad with people like, oh, I could go on and on. Then I'm gonna, you're gonna feel like I'm talking about you specifically. Because some of you definitely fall in these categories, and I don't want to do that because then you're going to go tell somebody that I'm mean to you, and then it just, it's just a spiral. That's, so I want to talk about not living in the what if. I mean, I'm going to kind of summarize this for you. We're going to talk about living in the now. Because what if we have no control over? We don't have control over if we have control to a degree over now, our now. Living in the now. I've got a list for you. You love that, don't you? Yeah, Hannah, dance time, list, okay. You got it? Perfect. Living in the now, nice. What I see back there is not the same as up here. Okay, number one, 
We take this one, he said, choose to believe. What does that mean, Mandy? It means you have to actively choose to believe what he said. Well, I do believe because, you know, the things that I like or the things that I do, your belief is going to be shown. Do you do the things that don't make sense in the moment because he said to? She's thinking I'm talking to her about something specific, guarantee you. Everybody's like, ooh, he said Mandy's name. Yeah, I am can say everybody's name, right? Do you choose? You have to choose to believe. Do you want to live in the now? Do you not want to live in anxiety? You have to choose to believe. That means choose to trust him. Choose to believe. Stop thinking, believing. Dude, some of you ride the roller coaster of emotions in your faith. Your Christianity is a roller coaster, and let me tell you what that means. That means that you have confused believing with feeling like believing. The best example I can give to you, you Americans, right, is this. Y'all go to work when you don't feel like it. Money, 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 right? You want that money. So you'll get up and go to work when you don't feel like it. The reason that you do that is because um, you believe that the outcome of going to work when you're sleepy, tired, and don't want to is worth the weight that comes with it. Get it? Sometimes I feel, unless I'm dancing, I, don't, I can't. Is this one of those days when you're thinking, or you're just ready for this to be over? Yeah, some mean person goes, be, be over with. Yeah. It's like the person that left me that note that told me to be done on time. Did I ever tell you guys about that? Somebody dropped a note in there and said, hey, why don't you try being done on time? Now, now here's the funny thing. They left a check, for some odd reason, an offering, and uh, I know who they are. Because, let me tell you why. I didn't mean to, and I never see this. You, you can ask Austin. I never see the stuff that goes in. But their S was a very specific Superman-looking S, and they put the same on both. <laughs> Still love them. Still love them. In case you're here, I'm just kidding. Choose to believe. Number two. Now, this is a little different, Mandy, because you're going to say these seem like the same thing, Todd. Choose to believe. You have to believe this is all real Right? You have to believe it. Believe is an intellectual decision. It is not an emotional thing. I am going to believe this, and if I believe it, I'm going to live as the what? I believe it. And number two is trust the promises. Okay, so I'm going to believe in the moment. Right? I'm going to let my actions now be determined by, by my belief, but I'm also going to let my actions now be determined by my faith and trust in what's to come. Okay? Here's an example. Ladies, I, won't, I use marriage a lot because if I, I, I use like other stuff for a long time, you know, money. I try to mix it up. You know, I want to offend everybody equally. <clears throat> Men, it might be easier for you to love your unlovable wife. Okay? One, if you're choosing to believe in the moment. But also if you trust the promises that, one, if she's a believer, right, that God is going to honor your faith in that. But even if she doesn't ever, that you are giving him honor and glory, right, in that, in that sacrifice for self, right, and that sacrifice, I mean, of self for her, you are modeling his sacrifice for his church over and over and over again. You see what I mean? It, it changes the dynamics if you don't view it as just like, I have to freaking like this person that is a jerk, versus I am worshiping my God. Lord, I am showing you, right? And you are. Trust the promises. And that goes for other things. Okay, the world's scary. Whether he's coming tomorrow or not. And this is why, I, this is why 
This is, this is why I feel crazy sometimes with Christianity, in the, especially in this country. And I'm not seeing on there, but it's like we've got to look at the scary times. You have to have an eternal view. If your Christianity is wrapped up in getting to keep what you have now, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. These things are temporary. We have to live, right, in those. In, in, so trusting the promises, moving on, is trusting that. What did he say? I will work out all things for the good of those who believe according right, to my purposes. Even in death, what did Paul say? To live is Christ. To die is gain. That was why he was okay to say, hey, I'm about to be poured out as a drink offering, and I can't wait. I'm not there yet, right? But he had that mindset. Trust the promises. Trust them. That's going to be shown in the where you step, not just how you step. Number three, I got to move. Take comfort in the proof. Remember he said, if you don't believe my words today, fine. Isn't that cool? He said, can you believe the proof I've given you? Christians in the room, one, believe, I'm going to give you, there's tons of proof, non-Christians, for the resurrection. It happened. Whoever told you it didn't happen, there isn't proof for it. They lied to you. I'm going to say it again. You're not smarter than everyone in the world. There's a reason these people believe. There's proof of it. But Christians, since that's who the church is supposed to be, right? I'm talking to you. The proof of your life. Remember what he's done already. Remember what Psalms say it all the times. Remember his great works. Remember when he came through. Why does he say, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Remember what I did for them? I will still do it for you. That, that, we take comfort in that. That helps us live in the now, even in the scary moments. My God is bigger than a war. All right, number four, remain in Jesus. Did it fit on there? Yeah, be a healthy Christian. What does it mean to remain? This is where I'm going to bore you. Read the Bible, pray. Read the Bible, pray. Go to church. Stop fooling around with your girlfriend and boyfriend and acting like it doesn't affect you. Stop thinking you can live like the world all the time and you have enough time to get cleaned up. Remain, be a healthy Christian. Don't just focus on, well, I haven't done the real bad things. Do what he told you to do. Love. Go to church. Pray. Read. I don't like to read. That is, oh, man. Who cares? <laughs> read it. I'll even be nice like Tim. He's like, there's audible Bibles. But I even think that's so lame. What happens if that, right? Read the book. Well, I, does, I don't feel any different. Who cares? Remember what I said earlier. Choose to believe that it will make a difference. And if you're a Christian, it does make a difference, and you know it. Because when we're in a place we're reading it versus don't, it's different. Be a healthy Christian. Remain in Jesus. Abide in him. Rest. <sighs> I got to move. Number five, kind of like remaining. Being a healthy Christian, because I said do the do's. Essentially, that's do the do's, right? Do the do, get it? Do the do's. Read, pray, worship, obey. I mean, um, read, pray, worship, etc. But also obey. Do, don't do the things he told you not to do. So do the things he told you to do. Don't do the things he told you not to do. That's going to help you live in the moment. Because when we, as a Christian, when you sin... It's an opportunity and a crack for the enemy to pour in more anxiety, more worry. you got enough going on in the world to be worried about your shame over what you looked at on that computer yesterday. Number six. You're not going to like this one either, Jericho. It's boring. It's not about abominations or desolations or antichrist. But it's the most important thing. Right? Focus on loving and serving. You're going to like this. You're going to like this, Trent. You ready? You mean others? Yep, and God. 
Focus on loving and serving God and focus on loving and serving others. Guys, I mean this, and I've found it to be true in my own life. When you are, have a life focused on loving and serving others, right, and truly looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus and not just songs, your, your worries and your anxieties and your fears and your frustrations become smaller. And here's a little bonus for you, number seven, the best way to, to put it. He shortened it? No, you guys are tricking me here. Because all that says is practice. This is worthless if it doesn't say the same thing. Anyway, any, your fear, fear can't grow where faith is practiced. Fear can't grow where faith is practiced. You hear that, David? That's a sound bite for you, right? Fear can't grow where faith is practiced. You guys love those. That's why you love those big mega churches. They give you a little sound bite that you get to put on a hat or something. There it is, and you're not excited. I'll say it again. If you can't remember anything else, fear can't grow where faith is practiced. Different kinds of soil. Yeah, I think so. Fear can't grow where faith is practiced. Can't happen. Weeds aren't going to grow, right, on top of the flowers. They might be beside, but they're not growing in the same place, right? There's already roots there. <clears throat> Somebody bought bought. Botanist is going to tell me I'm wrong. That's okay. So listen, there's your seven things. She's going to come play some music. Those of you that want to run away, now's your time. I want to ask you this with all this going on, and I hope you hear me. Culture wars, it's scary. I'm not going to tell you it's not. I don't know what's going to happen, and I can sit here and tell you all this, but like you hear an alarm coming that there's a bomb or something, that's terrifying. But people in the world, believers, you know there's believers in Israel? They go and preach. Talk about Yeshua. They have to live in this. It becomes a lot different. So let's say, you know, I don't want you to, like, imagine being there, but in some ways it does help you know where your faith is. In those moments, in these moments that are scary in our world, in these moments that are scary in your life, who is God? Your own anxiety? Because do you know anxiety, living in it, is just a control thing? And you think that it, like, enables you to, like, worry somehow is you controlling your anxiety. Like, we'll never admit this because it sounds crazy. If I worry about it a lot, then it won't happen. You know what I'm talking about. Or if I worry about it a lot, it won't hurt as much when it does happen. No, you just grieve twice. The question I leave you with today is very simple. Keep looking. Hey, be excited for the end. Not, but here's the thing. End times, they're not, they're not the end for us. It's the beginning of eternity. But that shouldn't motivate you to quit, to shut down, to run and hide. It should motivate you to tell the people you love around you, to share with them the truth of the gospel. The question is, are you living in what ifs or are you living in the now? I'm being serious. Is your life focused on the what ifs? And maybe you're not a person worried about war, but you're a person worried about, well, your life's built around your job. Because what if the economy shuts down? Do you have enough saved? Right? What if? You're the person worried about if you've got a relationship. What if I never find a spouse before Jesus comes? People think that, and I'm not mocking you. I get it, right? What's coming is far greater than anything on this side. I'm, that's, that's the truth. I don't even get it. Be honest with yourself right now. Are you living in the what ifs? Is your life consumed with what ifs or in the now? If you don't know Jesus, here it is simply. Jesus is real. He is alive. He's not a ghost. He's alive. The situation is pretty bad for you if you don't know him, right? 
God created everything perfect. He made us live a perfect relationship with him. There was one rule, I'm God, you're not. That means you do what I say. Trust me to tell you what right and wrong is. And we decided we know better. When we did that, we were separated from God. Sin entered the world. It is both a disease and it's all the bad things that come of it. So some of you say, well, I'm not too bad because my symptoms aren't as bad as the person next to me. I'm not as jerky. I'm not a thief, right? But the fact is you still have a disease and it's killing you. Because of that sin, the standard is perfection. Are you perfect? Not better than me, because that's easy. Are you perfect? If the answer is not perfect, if you are not as good as Christ, you are going to hell. That's what separation from God is. You are going to hell. I, that's not a popular thing to say, but it's the truth. You are a dead person walking. You just don't know it yet. That's terrifying. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We're storing up wrath for ourselves. We'll come back to that verse. Wages of sin is death. The second half's nice. Now, here's the thing. When we couldn't, you know, the world has tried to create religions in which we could get ourselves to God. It doesn't work. So, when we couldn't get to him, when we couldn't clean ourselves up enough, God came to us. He invaded this earth. Jesus Christ is God made flesh, right? He is the son. He's perfect. He came down. He existed. Jesus of Nazareth he taught us how to live, told us what the world, what the real kingdom is like, told us what we were meant to be and empowered us to do so later, right? And then on the cross, he did something incredible. He died to take the wages that you've earned, that death, the sin, the punishment for all the things you've done wrong. You don't have to get it all, but he stood in your place. He said, I'll stand there and take it because a just God would have to, Right? have judgment on that. And before you say that doesn't seem fair, I'll come into your house, kill your dog, steal your car, and you know, knock over your grandma, and then I'll go to the judge and say, hey, I don't want to go to jail, sir, because I've been good, right, 364 out of 365 days. And the judge goes, you're a pretty good person, go home. You would say that's a bad judge. We know that from a human perspective. Then a holy God is even more just. We don't get off the hook. So he died in our place on the third day, Jesus of Nazareth rose from the grave to prove he is who he said he was. And he offers us life. So if he just took our sin, we'd be in trouble because we'd end up sinning again, right? But he offers you something incredible. He says, come to me, give me your sin. It dies on the cross with me, and I will give you the benefits of my perfect spotless life. It will be as though you've never done anything wrong until the insides catch up, right? I mean, until the outside catches up with the inside. So how do I do that? How do I become a Christian? How do I have faith? How do I believe? It's really simple. You have to believe he is who he said he was. The Bible says if you confess with your lips, say it. If you're not willing to say it, you don't believe it. Confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you. I was you. I was in the crowd. I wasn't raised in this. Somebody asked me the same thing. The love, the forgiveness, the new life that Jesus offers is real and it will change your life. Life doesn't get easier, but it does get better. If you're in the room and you got that voice, it's like, hey, maybe I should do this. But then you're like, ah, listen to that voice, the one that wants good for you, not the one that wants you to stay the same. If you're in the room and you've been living in the what ifs, you're a Christian in this room and you know it. He's convicting your heart. He's trying to get you to respond. Respond. Stop playing the religious game. It's not for a show. It's for your own heart so you can live free. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.